Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Here with Royal Special Assistant Rusty Kuntz. Rusty, what's your most common message to young players out here in Arizona, your go-to piece of advice? Well, <clears throat> I think not only to the players, but to the coaches as well, is that, uh, you know, we, we have to remember this is still a game. And there's two things that I was taught a long, long time ago. One, it's a hard game to learn, and it's even harder to play. And as long as you keep that in perspective, you know, you, you keep the fun in it. And from a player standpoint, we try to emphasize, look, you be you. You know, if you're if you have a an aggressive personality and you, you you know that's your DNA or whatever, then show it. You know, if you're a passive guy and and stuff like that, you know, you're going to have to probably get out of your shell a little bit and be a little more uh, outgoing. You know, because that's just the nature of the game. But we we try to you know try to take what players have and accentuate it it's like look if you're gonna if if we want if you're gonna make mistakes make them aggressive you know because we can always we can always uh throttle you back a little bit but it's it's always hard to get players to get out of their comfort zone and 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 try different things be a different type of player be a different type of person than you know maybe what they are but we want to make sure that the guys that are aggressive and that's their nature and all like you know don't hold back because if they hold back they're not going to be we're not going to get a hundred percent of them and uh so you know we just try to take the uh the pressure off of them about making mistakes because because <clears throat> We're all going to make mistakes out here. It, you know, we, I don't think in 45 years I've ever had a perfect drill. You know, there's always been a hiccup in it, you know, and, uh, and then from a staff member, it's like, you know, take a step back a little bit, you know, because <clears throat> sometimes we get a knee-jerk reaction on a, a situation that wasn't perfectly done or it wasn't done right at all. And so we blow up a little bit sooner than probably what we should by, you know, just our – you know, human emotions, you know, how'd he do that? Why did he do that? How come he didn't, you know, or whatever. And sometimes as a, as a staff member, you just got to sit back and go, oh, yeah, I remember. It's a hard game to learn. It's a harder game to play. And it seems as if that message has taken firm hold with a lot of these young ball players that you have because I can't tell you how many of them I've had come up to me and say I need to be the best Bobby Witt Jr. 
I can be. Going third person, it really seems to as uh, as if it's resonated with a lot of these young players. But I got to imagine that wasn't the kind of messaging you were getting coming up. Coming up, when you were coming up in this game, it was, here's how we do it, now do it this way. Right, yeah, because I said so. <laughs> yeah, it was more along that lines where sometimes, I, I mean, you know, as far as coaches, I think we're a lot smarter than than we used to be. I know I am for sure. And to the point where you, you realize that, uh, you know, everybody isn't created equal and everybody isn't the same. And what I can, you know, might be able to tell you, um, I'm going to have to find two or three different ways to tell the next guy, the next guy, and the next guy. So I think there's a lot more, uh, uh, you know, education in, uh, who you're dealing with at the beginning and a lot more with social media on who who the person is. And you you learn a lot more ab- about people than you ever did back in the day when I first started coaching. And because even, even when I first started, you know, it was kind of along those lines. It's like, you know, don't don't ask me, just do what I tell you to do, you know, and-, and no, Seen, not heard, right? Stuff, yeah, exactly. So now you're dealing with, uh, a lot different personalities and you know you almost have to be a psychologist and a and a, and a pastor and a father and a mother and a, everything out here with with different different guys that you're working with a lot of times but but I think it's a lot more fun than it used to be back in the day uh, trying to be all those different types of personalities and different type of people you know that you're dealing with on an everyday basis so in in that regard I think it's a lot better now than it used to be for sure I think the answer might be a hard worker but is there one trait that a player must have if they're going to learn at the feet of a rusty Koontz what is that one non-negotiable trait that that you demand from a ball player. Yeah, energy. Energy is the word. Yeah, because if you if you bring energy every day, you have a chance to get better. If I've got a crowbar it out of you, you're you're going to fall behind. Cuz that's I think that's one thing that you notice about professional baseball than than any other sport or whatever is that the guys that keep climbing and make it and they get closer and closer to the top, which is the major leagues. They bring one trait with them, and that's energy. They love to play. They love to be on a baseball field. They love to be in a uniform. They love to be a, a good teammate in the locker room. They, they love everything about baseball. That's what draws them to this because just about everybody in professional baseball has a, a, a special tool that they were gifted with. It's the guys that take those special tools that love to show them off or love to improve them and they give you that effort every single day just because of the love of the game. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the one thing that I think uh, you're alluding to is that what's the common denominator? Mm-hmm. Energy. Yeah. They love to be out here and they love to compete, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's one of many things that I marvel at, but especially around July and August, over the past few years, watching – Salvador Perez walk into the clubhouse where you know the guy is dragging, uh, and yet that that energy is abundant. Um, I hate to put you on the spot. Are are there 
a few names that that pop in your mind as far as the the hardest workers, the the best energy givers that you've been around? Number one is Salvador Perez. <laughs> I mean, I've never I've never seen a guy. Uh, I mean, even when he was young and coming up through the minor leagues, I've never seen a guy uh, love a game so much. I've never seen a guy uh, that can't wait to get to the ballpark every single day. And I've never seen a guy love his teammates more than he does. And, I mean, it's, it's been a privilege to be uh, uh, having been lucky enough to be around him all these years and watch him uh, grow as a person, grow as a player, grow as a teammate, and now growing in his leadership role. And he's embracing that like I don't think I've ever seen anybody in the last 45 years that I've been around baseball. I've never seen a, a guy embrace all of those aspects the way Salvi does. And you're talking about a guy that wants to play 162 games every single day. And the way he brings his mindset, his energy to the locker room, and then all the preparation that he has to go through to even get on the field to play a catcher. I mean, I'm not talking about an outfielder or a third baseman or a first baseman. I'm talking about a catcher. To be able to want to be that guy, and here he is on Sports Illustrated, you know, looking over your shoulder at him, you know, and, and to be able to see that big smile every single day is is what what makes me want to come to the ballpark sooner than later because, I mean, I enjoy being around him. I enjoy watching him work. I definitely enjoy watching him play because he's a kid, you know, and he's never lost that. And uh, I know it's infectious because there's a lot of players that they get around him and you see their personalities change into that personality that he brings. And it's just, you know, one of those special guys that um, – you know, you, you run across, I think, once once in a career. And I've been I've been blessed enough to uh, have been around Salvador when he was young and now when he's now in a, in a leadership older role that that he's playing and still be able to put up that kind of energy and those kind of numbers is, is it's jo- just jaw dropping to me. But I'm, I'm glad I got to to be around it and got to be able to see it because, man, he's he's like in the top, you know, one or two of my favorite players of all times to be around, that's for sure. Yeah, well, even the picture that you're alluding to, the Sports Illustrated cover after the championship in 2015, again, Salvi's the World Series MVP, and now here we are seven years later, and it, it seems as if he's a complete, not a completely different player, a much better player than that one that we see uh, celebrating here. And he's climbing. Yeah, he's just getting bigger and better, and, and and I mean, as an organization, we couldn't have a better person represent us. I mean, he's just he's just everything that you would want a a, a, a person to be. You know, both on and off the field. You know, a father, a husband. You know, just a teammate. I mean, he he he's like the total package of everything that you want a player to be, and yet. He plays at such a high, high uh, premium that it's just okay. Can it really be true? Yeah. You know, can you really be all of this and still be all of that? Yeah. And Salvador comes out here every single day, no matter who he uh, runs in contact with, or who he talks to, or who he speaks with, or whatever. 
it's just off the chart as far as what he's able to do. And I know as an organization, we couldn't be happier and prouder and, and luckier right. to have him represent us. That's for sure. Well, speaking of that championship team, is there a moment in those runs? Is there a moment in that season where you went, oh, oh, these guys got it. And from your championships as a player, as a coach, uh, what what comes to mind where you went, oh, oh, these guys got something special here? Yeah, I think um, two things come to mind. I think when um, when Ace Ventura hit Machado with Baltimore and and he he came out to say something to Ventura and now we're in a fight and I think that was one of the turning moments that I remember uh Pedro Grafal and I were talking about the other day and we both agreed that yeah this was kind of one of those shining moments where we became a team and we we fought for each other and we believed in each other and we were able to, you know, have each other's back and, you know, all the, all the things that you want a, a, a ball club to be. Well, it took that one moment to kind of step back and go, ooh, this might be something special down the road. And then the second one was when Salvador Perez drove in Christian Cologne for the wild card win. It was like something so electric on one swing of the bat and having something just turn the page on an entire uh, organization, you know, that, that I knew anyway, because I wasn't back in 85 and that. But, but a turning point for us is when Salvador got that clutch hit and drove in Christian Cologne for the wing run. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, my gosh, we're going to the playoffs. And just the, uh, the energy that that brought not only from – the ball team, but the city itself. And now we had uh, going into kind of uncharted territory for us at that time. And it was like, okay, well, what's going to carry you through it? What's going to carry you to Anaheim? What's going to carry you to ball, what, Toronto? You know, all these clubs that we played, and then eventually San Francisco and the New York Mets. Well, I just remember coming together as a ball club, Salvador put in some position that we're now – we're in the playoffs. Well, let's show the entire world what we got yeah. as far as a club and that. And I think the the enthusiasm, the energy, and then, you know, being able to believe that you belong there, I think it, it, it just hit an all-time high at the right time. Mm-hmm. And then when we went into the playoffs and we started, it was like, Oh my gosh! No, no panic. Wanted, no one wanted to face nobody. Players. Nobody wanted to play us. Right. You know, everybody was like, "Oh God, they play a whole different style of game that we're not used to playing," and, and to be able to go out and execute, yeah. and be that kind of team that we wanted to be because we knew that's how it, that's how it was going to have to be to win, yeah. and just to be able to go out and do it, and it was like, "Oh my gosh!" Mm-hmm. We just kept grinding, kept going, kept going. And then eventually we lost in the World Series to Bumgarner in San Francisco. And I think to a person in that locker room, I mean, there was nothing more exciting than winning. But there was nothing more devastating than losing. And I was fortunate enough to have been through two World Series before that. And fortunately, we won both of them. And the exhilaration of winning, and now all of a sudden you lose – and it was a whole lot more painful to lose it than it was ever exciting to win it. 
But I think everybody in that locker room looked around and go, we should have been the winners. We should have won that. And it was like almost San Francisco stole it from us. So I know when those guys came back, you know, and Salvador was a big part of that too. It's like, wait a minute. We, we're good. We can get back there, and we should have won it, and we will win it. And that was the whole attitude from the very get uh, in spring training. It's like we had that chip on our shoulder that, okay, we had it, and then they stole it from us. We're going to get it back and make it our own. And they did. I mean, that, that whole season was just one that just bang, 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 bang. Anything and everything we needed and had to do, it all came together. And then when we went to the playoffs, it was the same way. Was there a moment when things felt the most dire? Chiefs fans just went through this uh, in in the playoff game against the Bills. Mahomes goes down with 13 seconds left and enforces overtime. Boy, the, <laughs> there were a lot of them for the Royals in 14 and 15. Uh, Astros in Houston. Uh, game six against the Blue Jays. The wild card game. The Angels game. When did things feel the most dire? Right. I think it was the sixth inning. I think it was the sixth inning in Houston. And and uh, Morales came up and mm-hmm. hit that chopper up the middle, mm-hmm. and it took the bad hop. And it went, okay. Because one thing they always talk about, when you get into the playoffs, the one thing about it that's kind of on an equal playing field is that everybody's good. The pitching is really, really good. That's why they're there. Now, what's the separation? Well, the separation is the luck factor. The ball bounces your way and not their way. Okay, this guy comes in, he, he's wearing a cape. You know, this guy comes in and he's wearing, you know, that kind of thing. But I think when that, when that hop bounced off and tipped off of Correa's glove mm-hmm. and went into the alpha and we ended up scoring one or two runs at that time to tie it up or even go ahead or whatever it is, I think that was one of the shining, that I remember, I think that was one of the shining moments that you went, oh, this is going to be something special. Yeah. Because those kind of plays don't happen if there's not a good ending at the end of it, you know, that kind of deal. And then the, the ball falling in uh, against Toronto when uh, Batista and, you know, it, it goes, the ball drops in between them, and then here comes the floodgates. Here we go. You know, those are the little things that have to happen if teams are that equally good. Those little things have to happen to get some kind of a separation. And then when they do and you take advantage of it, then you know that you're on the right track for something good. But I I just remember those two plays. And then, of course, uh, Mike Jersey sending uh, Locaine home on the Batista play down the right field line was a huge one. I mean, those were all – and then then Hosmer, the dash, you know, from – from third to home uh, on on the play uh, in, in the New York Mets. But all of those little plays come into, you know, come into your mind when you sit back and you look at it, you go, okay, what was the moment that you knew it was going to be special or you knew you had a chance to win or you knew that you were in the right place at the right time? Well, those three or four things happened and you go, oh, there's a reason why these things are going on like they are. There's, there's one moment I always – bring up on the radio as far as the moment I think things really started to change and it could be incorrect I'm wondering if you remember uh, Lorenzo Kane on first base against the Detroit Tigers and in Detroit 
Victor Martinez tries to make pleasantries, yeah? Uh, what, what do you remember about that? Oh, yeah. I, I remember standing there, and, and Locaine got to first base. You know, Victor is just a wonderful guy and, and another one of those guys that just loves to play the game, and, and he was always, you know, always talking uh, – you know, he never talked trash. He never said anything derogatory and stuff like that. He just – he's just a, a well-liked person, a respected player in the in the game, and – he just happened to catch Locaine on the wrong day. But um, for me personally, it was great to see it because um, Victor just asked him, hey, puppy, how you doing? You know, how's it going? You know, and he and Locaine just turned and snapped. He goes, we're tired of getting our freaking butt kicked by you guys. You know, we're not we're not your friends anymore. We're not going to take it anymore. It's our time to take this division. It's our time to do something special. You know, so, you know, I. I'm not going to sit around and talk about, you know, how good you guys are and how nice you are and blah, 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 you know. But to see that kind of uh, reaction from Low Kane, who the only thing that you picture Low Kane having is that huge, big smile, you know, that, that, and now, and the dugout's close enough to first base in Detroit that you can hear the whole conversation there, you know. And I, I kind of turned around and I looked at the dugout after Low Kane goes off. And, you know, he didn't mean it to Victor personally, but just, I mean, I mean, Detroit Tigers at that time, they had our number, they were wearing us out, you know, they got Verlander, Scherzer, all these guys on the mound that were just shoving it one night after another. And finally, we just got a couple of wins together and it's like, okay, wait a minute. We're tired of getting pushed around. We're tired of getting beat up. We're tired of, you know, and just see that reaction by Locaine I mean, that totally fired up our bench. It's like, oh, my God, if Locaine can do this, maybe that's where, that's, maybe that's about where we should be, yeah. you know. And so that was really a, a, a shining moment for me. It's like, oh, my gosh, these guys are tired of getting beat up. It's, it's time for them to start retaliating, give it some back, you know, that yeah. kind of deal. And then I just remember we just, yeah, you just had to pedal to the metal after that. And it was like, okay, that was probably one of the moments where, Locaine brought it out in us, and we just stepped on the gas, and we just kept riding it. Kane, Haas, Moose, just champions really throughout that clubhouse and some highly touted prospects like a Hosmer and a Moustakis, which which brings us to uh, today's most highly touted prospect in Bobby Witt Jr. Now, I'm not going to ask you to make any comparisons, but as far as a 21-year-old is concerned, I can't imagine you've seen very, very many like him. Not too many. Not too many. Not too many twenty-year-olds that are five-tool players that that bring the kind of energy and the kind of smile and the kind of exuberance that a young player brings. And no swag, no attitude, no nothing. Just a baseball player going out and playing baseball and loving every minute of it. You know and refreshing absolutely uh last time i've seen a smile and energy like that was griffey jr back in the day when 1989 when i first started that was the first guy that that i had uh, in the outfield for four, his first four years uh with seattle mariners and every day he'd bring the smile and the energy and the tool belt you know and it, he showed one tool if not all five of them, every single day. And that's what Bobby Witt Jr. brings uh, every day that he goes out there. And, and, you know, and don't let the smile fool you. 
Or the mustache. Or the mustache. Yeah. Or Well, whatever you call that, yeah. Looks like he got into a mud hole or something. But anyway, because he, like Junior, not to compare him, but he, like Junior, they always had a, a great time and they always smiled because there was a lot of things in baseball that came very easy yeah. for them. But the one thing that they have in common is their competitiveness. Man, they compete. So you're taking all that talent, all that energy, all that youth, and now you're bringing the competitive into it too? Yeah, you got a pretty good player on your hands. No, well, I mean, Ken Griffey Jr., that's that's my wheelhouse. That's that's the guy that we all wanted to be in the neighborhood growing up. And, yeah, with that, with that tool belt, that tool box, yeah, it, it always seemed easy. And even the things that didn't – let me put it this way. I wouldn't have thought competitiveness would have been the first thing that you bring up when talking about – Ken Griffey Jr., but competitiveness, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer too? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Because, I mean, yeah, he had a great time because he had so much to work sure. with. I mean, he, he was blessed with everything. But to keep it, he had to work hard, and that's what he did. And, man, when the bell rang at 7 o'clock and it was game time, the hat went forward. And so did the so did the attitude. I mean, he was yeah. Was he a leader? Did he have that leadership skill like it appears Bobby has? Not like Salvador. Not like Salvador. I mean, uh, Junior was very soft spoken. He didn't say a lot of uh, words. He wasn't a rah rah guy for sure. He led by example. He was more of a ga- uh, uh, Alex Gordon type of guy. You know, in the locker room, he was a big jokester. He was a big kidder. You know, uh, he loved his teammates. You know, he had fun with them. Uh, when, you know, he could, he, he had the ability to sense that, you know, when, when things were getting kind of uh, tight, you know, how to loosen it up a little bit, you know, by doing whatever he does, you know, whatever a 19-year-old does. And, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean – all you had to do is kind of sit back and watch him compete and play every single day. And, you know, other, t- uh, other than when he ran into the wall and broke his wrist, and, oh, by the way, he was back in about eight weeks, swinging a bat and, and putting up more numbers. It, it's crazy, yeah. But, you know, he, he, wasn't that, he wasn't that guy that was going to step up and take the mic and, or call his teammates out and yeah. let's go, you know. But, no, he got dressed put his head on backwards, walked out every day and played yeah. and let the numbers and, and, and anything that he brought had, had to bring that day yeah. come forward. And he was just that kind of a player. You know, he just led by example and he did a pretty damn yeah. good job of it. Final thing, Rusty Coons, kind enough to join us here on 610 Sports Radio. Just your health of the organization. Uh, you've, you've served in quite a few roles for this Royals organization, and as we prepare for hopefully another uh, postseason run, um, World Series championships in the near future, uh, what do you think Royals fans need to know about the power structure, the health of their favorite baseball organization? Yeah, I I think it's special uh, right now. I know know one thing. I mean, you know... the front office is second to none. I mean, the the culture that they've developed here, and the people that are running it, and the people that are showing us what they what they expect, what they what they 
would like everybody to do all this kind of stuff is second to none that I've ever been around in, in all the organizations I've ever been. Uh, I mean, the amount of time and energy and effort they, that they, they all put together is, is I just can't compare it to any, any other place that I've been to. That's how special the people are up, upstairs. But I know we're in good hands with Mike Matheny as a manager, and he's put together a great staff. I mean, he, he really has. And they know kind of the heartbeat of our club. They know what, what's, what they're asking the players to be and what they want them to become and how they want to uh, – all can how they want them all to contribute you know to one direction that we're and 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 our our scouting department has done a wonderful job the last i don't know how many drafts in a row now about getting us the type of players that are championship players and you can tell by the number of arms that you walk out there it's just a, a laundry list of names and they they all compete. They all have stuff. They all want to become major league players. They're, they're, they're all coachable. They all, you know, they run in the same kind of mind frame. And, and it's just so much easier when you have that kind of uh, players to work with because they're all pulling for the same result, and that's to win a championship here. So when you're starting with a front office leadership from the big league and, and, and the type of players that our scouts are getting, and then you add on our player development. I mean, my gosh, I've never been around uh, better guys that work their butts off to make sure our players get better and can contribute and elevate through the system and become major league players to help us win that championship. And that's what they're all dedicated to do. And it's refreshing to come in to an environment like that on an everyday basis where baseball is number one. Yeah. And you check your ego at the door, you check your problems at the door, you check all that. When you walk through the door, it's all about making Kansas City Royal baseball players a champion again, you know, and, and so it's a great environment to be in here. It's a great time to be a Royal. And the, the, the people that are running it, you know, from the top to the bottom are all in it to win it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're all willing to do whatever it takes and, and, you know, go the extra yard, you know, all the cliches you want to add that you want an organization to be, well, we're living it right now. And it's so much fun to come to the, uh, to the ballpark every day and, and go through it for sure. Rusty, thank you very much for the time. Well, thanks for asking. I appreciate you having me. <laughs> we get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.